0: Welcome in to Locked On, Knicks, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we have a great, depending on how you all feel about that team across the river, guest today, Doug Norrie of the Locked On Nets podcast. We got together with Doug, Gavin, to talk a little Kevin Durant, a.k.a. the biggest story
1: in the NBA that thankfully is not the Knicks right now. Yeah, the latest on Durant, how Doug thinks they will ultimately handle it. And could there be a Kevin Durant trade to the Knicks? It's a long shot. We'll tell you why right now on Locked on Knicks.
2: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your
1: team every day.
2: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Pucks left, now fires a three, and he's good, and he's fouled, and he's out, and he's out. Anthony for three. Five, that one goes down. This is all right now, back up, off the glass, it's good. RJ
0: Byron. Becomes infectious. Going. Alright, welcome in to Locks on Knicks. We want to thank you guys for making Locks on Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube, we appreciate you guys making us a part of your daily routine. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick like The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster, His favorite play-by-play broadcaster about to get into high school football season one of my favorite seasons as a former high school sports writer and as we said we are joined by Doug Norrie of the Locked On Nets podcast today and we're talking about a lot of things you know we I I introduced it in the intro as being mostly about Durant but it starts with a discussion about Kevin Durant we talk a lot about team building and how things have gone for the Nets and Knicks the last few years it's intriguing because we talk about how the the both teams have had similar paths uh, as far as their success in the last few years, but obviously are on very different trajectories at this point. Uh, so we talk about all that and a bunch more. So uh, I won't hold this up anymore. You can just listen to the actual conversation. We're getting into it now with Doug Norrie of Locked On Nets. All right, it's crossover time. The much-heated Locked On Knicks, Locked On Nets <laughs> off-season ah. crossover is here. The, uh, the animus is, is palpable in this, this uh, recording room right now Uh, joined uh, where Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw were joined by Doug Norrie of the locked on Nets podcast. We're of the locked on Knicks podcast, Doug. uh, I wish I could say that the Knicks had the biggest story going on in the NBA right now. But uh, as we were getting ready to record this episode, Kevin Durant was literally beefing with a, a primarily Knicks writer on Twitter about, Whatever you know, talking about the CBA and whether the NBA is going to lock out, and he thinks the media is rooting for an NBA lockout or something, and all this other crap. Uh, but of course, the big story in the entire NBA right now is the whole Kevin Durant saga. Um, I guess so. I do want to talk about if either of us, if either of our shows think that there's any possibility that the Knicks and Nets could potentially deal with one another on this particular, uh, you know, Kevin Durant issue, as far as, you know, executing a trade, particularly if like Donovan Mitchell goes somewhere else or something like that. But I guess I'll first ask you like, what has it been like working this saga so far? Because I got to say every day, Gavin and I, like every time new news comes out about Durant before we start recording, we're just like, thank
2: God he didn't choose the Knicks (laughs) a few years ago. Well, I was going to say like, before I'll answer, we'll get to that in a second, but you guys have to just secretly love this, right? Like, just seeing, oh. like, the amount of Discord, seeing the amount <laughs> I, I of I don't think lo- it's
1: secret for Alex. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so. I was going to say, like, <laughs> I,
2: I feel like you'd be doing your your fan base and just maybe the podcast in general a disservice if you weren't like, yeah, this is amazing. Just don't want to watch this from a Knicks perspective. It's, it's the, the terrible reality, from the Nets perspective.
0: Yeah, the reality of it, too, from a Knicks perspective, at least for me, is, like, I don't even think so much. Like, I would have still been ecstatic had... Durant chosen the Knicks back in nineteen. Sure. I still was sad when he didn't. I got over it fairly quickly, and you know things have the Knicks have had their fair share of success since then. To be honest, they've had about the same amount of success as the Nets have, um, except for now have a you know all their draft picks and a young core going forward, which is nice. Um, but like, I think the biggest thing is I just think about like if he was if both those guys were on the Knicks right now, and if Harden had you know, passed through the Knicks for one season and had things end the way that he did. I mean, we would just have a never ending storm of garbage coming our way of just, you know, the national media, like taking victory laps and everything else. And it would just be a huge mess in that regard. Uh, so from that perspective, that's where I'm most, most like relishing in the fact that this isn't the Knicks is that like, if this was the Knicks, it would be a 5,000 times bigger story. And oh, like we're yeah. hearing about it a lot from the Nets perspective. Like, like with Durant asking out of the Nets, it's still a big national media thing. But I mean, there we literally would not be able to go a single day without hearing about this all summer if this was Durant and the Knicks. So that's well, that's what's
2: happening thing. now. So yeah. I think like I think this debate around this comes down to just how it comes down to perception around like how to feel about this Durant situation. Um and I th- actually never had really considered the part where it's a relatively the same success rate over the last couple of years between the two teams. That was kind of a bummered way to for have to be framed <laughs> in a way that I had. But you're totally correct. I mean, it is relatively speaking, it's been about the same. I I think what it comes down to for me is wondering sort of like what the point of I'll, I'll speak from fan a fandom point of view. Like what the point of fandom here is. Is the point of fandom, or you know from a from rooting from a team perspective to have it just kind of be this steady sort of like straight line, you know, organizationally and everything's kind of, you know, everything's solid and stable. And there's like a a peak, which you can reach with that, you know, and you can do really good job. And, but in the end, it's, it's very difficult to win the NBA or is it not? And these things aren't mutually exclusive. You can do both things, but at the same time, or in this case with a guy like Kevin Durant and Kyrie or whatever, is it better to just swing huge and then burn out hard and bright basically which which is what's happening now it's like because they took a huge swing it was what they had to do in terms of um you know where they just were draft pick wise asset wise like they had the ability to do it I think you signed Kevin Durant 11 times out of 10 I don't yeah. I don't think it's that much of a question but it actually has raised which I think you're maybe getting at a little bit is like raised really interesting conversations of like hey what what are we doing here like is this the point is the point to have it be super relevant and then just a total disaster with the idea that you might win a championship. Because the one difference between these two teams over the last couple of years is the Knicks have had no are not in that conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're not in that conversation at all. It's it's not a knock, it's just true, right? Yeah. But so is it better to not be in the conversation, but have things on this like nice steady trajectory up, you know, nice moves, nice draft, a couple nice draft picks, a nice free agent signing or two, and have it be like that, or is it better to just absolutely go for it, knowing that if it doesn't work, you're going to be in a situation where the next Nets are right now, which is just sitting on 18 different landmines, like trying not to move and just explode one of them and have the whole thing go up. So I, it's, I'm not sure actually. <laughs> like I'm not sure. I don't yeah. know what you guys think because th- I think it's really just the it's the trajectories are to- oh, totally different right now.
1: No, and I think it's it's so interesting because I, as I as I try not to remind people on this podcast, used to host Locked on Nets. And I, as someone who was an avowed Nets hater my whole life, I grew to really like the teams. Part of it was that the, the broadcasts were so great. I loved Diane Eagle, loved uh, Ryan Rucco, Sarah Kustak. Um, they, they made it so much fun. But the team itself was just extremely likable. I mean, they they built themselves up. I mean, it's kind of what the Knicks have had to do um, the last couple of years, like, from, from the worst, like, depths you can be in in the NBA. No picks, like, no discernible future, a promising market, but, like, clearly, like, the second team in that market to a team that was totally dysfunctional. And yet, just through, like, shrewdness for a GM, like, who knows, like, maybe we'll get fired, maybe we'll still be around. Like, he he was able to pull that out, find Spencer Dinwiddie out of nowhere, find Joe Harris out of nowhere, get D'Lo on the cheap, Jared Allen in the 20s, Karis LeVert in the 20s, on and on and on. It was a brilliant rebuild. And on one hand, when, when they first um where there was talk that they could potentially get Katie and Kyrie I was like man I kind of want to see what this team could be it's so much fun and you look at it like objectively and you and you look you say all right if they had just kept that team together they would have been really excited about Jared Allen at this point he would have turned out to be an all-star Woody has pretty much become who he is like a nice player Lavert very similar if anything he's, he's kind of disappointed me in terms of yep. who he's become Joe Harris has been hurt it would have been a team that honestly like would be I would say behind where the Knicks are now, like like an eight seed, a seven seed, like, and, and oh. played fun basketball. And like the collective cohesion that those guys had would have been a lot of fun, but like it stops being cute at a certain point, right? So that, that's why like, to your point, like if you're the Nets, you make that swing every time. And we're talking about a team that, I mean, to Alex's point on one hand, like you look at the pure results, they got one round further than the Knicks have the last three years. I think there was a stat out there, that, like Julius Randall's like total stats over the last two years, maybe partially partial because of injuries, obviously are, are better than Kyrie's or are better than Kevin Durant's like the Knicks have won more games. I think over the last three seasons than the Nets have, maybe I'm wrong on that. Uh, don't, don't kill me if I'm wrong on that. But anyways, point being the Nets have gone one round further than the Knicks on the same hand, one of Kyrie or Harden doesn't get hurt a year ago in the playoffs and the Nets, the Nets won the title because they they were playing the team that ultimately won the championship and down to hall of famers pretty much won that series anyways. So I, I think you, to your point, you take that chance every time, but where, where do you think, I mean, you, you were just kind of like debating it internally, like do Nets fans feel like this total sense of dread now, or is there this idea like, look, we trade KD, we get a massive package back. We trade Kyrie. At the very least, we get a couple of first round picks. You could argue that they would be in a better position now than they would have been um, if they had just sort of kept the core of that team, even as badly as this is blown up.
0: All right, we'll be right back in with Doug. We're continuing talking about the Durant saga, about our team building philosophies, and eventually talking about a Kevin Durant trade to the Knicks or not. I don't know. We'll see when we get there. But first, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make a home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you get pulled? pulled over anyway and even so what's the worst that could happen your insurance goes up you lose your license you lose your job you total your car you kill someone that all sounds pretty bad everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk the results are tragic and often deadly however that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence that's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives so if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks think again play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever drive sober or get pulled over.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm all, I, I, I really don't play any revisionist history here. I, I was fans of all those moves at the time. I still am. It did not work out, but like process wise, you do that every time you trade yeah. Harris, Levert and Jared Allen for James Harden for two years of James Harden. It's like, I know they didn't get two years of them, but they should have in theory. Right. So you do that without and the draft picks. I think you do it every time. The ceiling is just too high. You, you, you have a chance. One of these, one out of every 30 teams can win it every year. And if that's the goal, then you, then there's really actually no debate about it at all. I, and I, anyone that puts it up as a debate, I, at least with Nets World, I really, really push back against. Um, In terms of like where they are now, I, I, I I'm still, my, our listeners are going to drive me nuts, probably drive me nuts with this one, but like I still think uh, short of Kevin Durant, like the part where you just, assume they trade him is still nuts to me. Like I, if I'm, I would still at least entertain the idea of it's like, if it's Durant or Marks or Nash, like having real internal discussions about whether those other two guys go (laughs) because, because it just, because you have Kevin Durant under contract. If that really is what it is, I don't think that's really what it is. I think there's more to it. So I think that there's, there's like another piece of it, but I do think that gets dismissed a little too early. Sometimes it's like, yeah, I know that no one ever wants to cave to the player. No one ever wants to, make it so the organization looks dysfunctional or whatever they're already dysfunctional like that ship is sailed they're not gonna no more function is coming in the building once they <laughs> trade Durant like it's already completely dysfunctional so at that point just keep the player um in terms of like how they would be better I, or where they would be in a better spot I still can't really get behind that because it's Durant and he and there just are so many years left on the contract and he is just the kind of ceiling player that you need to win championships or at least compete for championships. You oh, need yeah, one just of these. just to be
1: clear, I'm saying they could be in a better spot now than they would have been if they'd never signed KD after trading him. I, I think oh, they're after, clearly in a better spot if they keep Durant.
2: Just yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Um. Uh. Okay. Oh, you're going back to so you go back to the D'Lo age. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They'll still all be they'll still be better than that. Sorry to go long-winded on the question that you didn't ask, but the yeah no, I think they will still they're still clearly in a better spot. They were always moving on that trajectory. Of and Marx was really good at this piece, right? It's like, and to some degree, like the Knicks have kind of done a little of the same thing, which is like figuring out how to package together other pieces to bring in slightly better stuff marginally on the uptick. Like they've, they've been doing this for years. The Knicks seem like they're doing this now. Um, yes, they would have still been in a better spot because I think they still understood that those other guys were basically overrated. Like Russ, D'Angelo Russell was for what he got paid is overrated, right? Like Harris Levert is incredibly over, is really overrated. I like all these guys. Like, it's not that it's just for what they got paid. They're all way overpaid. So yeah, no, they're, they're still still going to be in a better spot. It's just like, now it's at what cost. like the cost, the cost has been such a price now in terms of loyalty and fandom and culture, which I hate using, but I actually have a question for you on this. Like, so everyone uses culture. I'm sure they're going to start using it a lot with Knicks now too, because Knicks have like made a lot of good moves. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, my my take on culture, and this is where the Knicks have it maybe, is that culture is culture only means that you slightly exceeded your expectations for what everyone thought you were going to do. <laughs> so like, you have good culture if you're ten to fifteen percent better than anyone thought. You have bad culture if you didn't get to that point, and that's like all of culture. That's all culture is because at some point you said what I, you put a it grade. It's like it stops being cute. Yeah, at some point it's you you reached what your culture level was <laughs> and now you yeah. either either exceed or not like don't you think the knicks are i think the knicks are on like that perfect trajectory now where they kind of got a little of it two years ago um when randall just shot the lights out culture dipped a little bit last year when <laughs> when yeah. when it didn't look as good and now they all made all the right moves does that make sense like do you think that they're on that yeah. kind of trajectory now
0: Yeah, I think more so than even just like the culture aspect of it for the Knicks. And I do think that they've established, like, if you want to talk about culture, I think it's more about getting a consistent identity on the court. Yes. Which I think that especially on the defensive end, for all of his faults, like Tibbs has finally established them as a good defense, which is great. Um, You know, we were just talking about this on one of our most recent pods uh, with, with our friend Dallas Amico that like, They put out a, like, top – I think they were one of the – by certain metrics, they were the number one defense in the NBA post-All-Star break last year. Just by –
1: yeah, by points per hundred possessions they were.
0: Points per hundred and, and, you know, defensive rating and all this stuff. Like, so, he's established that. Uh, I think that he certainly needs to get more creative offensively, and maybe that's where their next coach does that. But I think that's what I think of more with culture than, like, this, like, vapid, like, organizational culture idea – that we've heard, which is mostly how it was related in terms of like the Nets and stuff. But I will say one thing that you said that is that, see, this is something that I know certain people that listen to our podcast probably will hate me saying, but like, I agree with what you said about you have to make that move 100 times out of 100. Now, I don't know if they're quite, if the Knicks are quite there yet, as far as this like Donovan Mitchell trade, right? Um, I think that you could reasonably say the Knicks have like another year to think about what's our all-in move going to be, which is why I think they're they're holding out on the Mitchell front and being like we don't have to give you everything that you want right now, Danny Ainge, because we can just roll this team out here with Jalen Brunson, right. and our fans are going to be happy because we have new blood, we have the best point guard that we've signed in years, you know, about to start for the team in his prime, not like Kemba Walker last year that was like. Wow, we signed a guy who was awesome like four years ago. Uh, that maybe if there's something left in the tank, could be about seventy percent of that. Um, you know that they're signing a legitimate guy on the upswing in his prime that they can send out there. And it, but I agree with you in the sense of I say this somewhat often on this podcast: young players and draft picks have expiration dates. There's a point of diminishing returns on these guys. Like, and people don't seem to get that. People look at the, like with the Knicks right now, it's everybody's like, just trust in the young core, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're, they're all, you know, on their rookie contracts and blah, blah, blah. It's like, but rookie contracts have expiration dates. And once you pass that expiration date, like we're literally before the end of this summer, probably in the course of the next, I don't know, month and a half, we're going to see an RJ Barrett extension. I can, I almost guarantee they're going to, they're going to lock that in. And the number is probably going to pay him somewhere around like $30 million a season starting next season, you know, not this this coming season, but the season after. And that's all of a sudden, he's not just a young cost control guy anymore. He's a guy that has to live up to a contract. And that's gonna happen soon thereafter with Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin. And then it's gonna happen with Quentin Grimes and Jericho Sims and Deuce McBride. Like these things are all gonna happen pretty quickly. Um, so I think that. That's something that, and and the same thing happens with draft picks too, right? Like a Dallas Mavericks top 10 protected 2023 first round pick ceases being a, you know, a mystery box after the draft passes, then it's a player and that player, unless they come out and really prove something, which I mean, I will give the Knicks credit. They've, I think, turned their late first round draft picks into better players than what the draft pick by itself would have been worth. Like Quentin Grimes, I think is worth a lot more than like the 25th pick in the draft now at this point. Um, But like, you know, there's there's points where these assets become less valuable and people don't understand that. So they think like, oh, the Knicks are sitting on a treasure trove. Just sit on it longer until the right guy comes up. But sometimes you just got to make that swing, you know, and I don't I don't fault the Nets for doing what they did. Like I said, like I literally opened the show saying like I wanted the Knicks to sign Durant. Everybody did. If anybody says they didn't, they're honestly full of crap. Like
1: Yeah, let me I know, let me throw this out there real quick, Alex. Yeah. I think the equivalent of the Donovan Mitchell move was the Harden trade. Like the Durant sort of, s- yeah. and Kyrie was just like, yeah, of course, yeah, come on in. Yeah. yeah. They were short but names, the
0: Harden yeah. trade, yeah. I mean, for them it was to win a championship. For the Knicks, you make the Mitchell trade. And this is probably why they're holding out on not giving up like a Harden level package. Is like, A, is he as good as Harden was at that particular moment? I don't think so. Um, and B you know, where, what do you think your ceiling is here if you make this move? Um, and, you know, I, I think that that's why they're holding out a bit. But at a certain point, you do have to certainly take that swing because otherwise, if the Nets had just stayed the course with that fun young team, they would be paying D'Angelo Russell, Karris LeVert, Jared Allen, and all those guys, uh, Joe Harris, like all the Dinwiddie. I mean, all those guys make in excess of $20 million a year now. That's essentially your whole salary cap right there just between
1: those guys and what is the ceiling of that team in 2022 all right guys we'll be back with doug one final time to answer the question you've all been waiting for could the new york knicks trade for kevin durant you want to bet on that there's only one place to go it's betonline.net they're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs you can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds lines and games you can find reviews and news of every league including major league baseball nfl nba nhl combat sports esports and even golf BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering info from live and game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered, and they have you covered for the latest Kevin Durant odds. So Durant's next team, if not the Nets, the Celtics are still the favorite on BetOnline at minus 175. The Phoenix Suns are next at plus 350. you got to score way down for the New York Knicks. Plus 1600, but uh, you'll find out in just a second if that's a good idea. But first, head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet online, where the game starts, and then you're just in the wilderness. Yeah, Yeah. then
2: you're just like kind of in the wilderness and you're kind of treading water. And I, Gabby, you said it too, like it, it, it stops being cute after a while. I had a friend text me the other day and he was totally right. He said the number one way for a GM to retain job security for a long term is just compile draft picks because then the future can always be there, right? Like the future can always be right down the doorstep. And maybe, Hey, maybe by the time we're done with this podcast, uh, they unload it because I saw Shams just said that Nixon jazz are reengaged in trade talks for Donovan Mitchell. So that just came across the wire as, during the podcast, as we were doing it. So maybe by the end, maybe by (laughs) the end, it's all, all, some of this is moot. Um, but, uh, no, no. Yeah. I think at like some point, right. Like this is what people fail to understand because people it's like going back. It's it's like looking at a past relationship, man, woman, whatever you were like, like later when you're in a crappy relationship then, and you think back, ah, oh, that was so great. It's like, dude, there was a reason you got out of that. <laughs> there was a reason before this one, you left that other one. It was because there was like, not as much upside. There wasn't, it wasn't totally there. This is what p- fans sometimes fail to sort of grasp onto is that, yeah, that was okay. It was never going to be great. And at some point it was got it was going to be the opposite of great. It was going to be massively disappointing. Because you'd exceed you were no longer like look at the Hawks last year. It's like, "Hey, great little run. Guess what? Now they stink." Same exact team, they don't really stink, but you know what I mean? Like the, you know, same exact team, expectations were higher, doesn't look as great anymore, not a plucky upstart. At some point you stop becoming the plucky upstart. I think the Nets just fast-forwarded that timeline in a way that all always seems correct, but is just playing out in a way, which is when you take big swings, as anyone that watches like Joey Gallo, like when you take big swings, sometimes it's going to look really great. And then sometimes it's going to look horrendous. And this is, I just think it's like a philosophically, I think you're totally right though. At some point the Knicks are going to have to do it. I, I still, I will say because it's very hard to win the championship and only one team gets to do it every single year, and the players that you basically need to do it are so few and far between because there's really only like six of them, <laughs> or something like that, that you basically need on your team: Giannis, KD, LeBron, you know, like the Curry. The list is pretty, pretty RJ darn Barrett. short. Um, R.J. Barrett, right? Obviously, you know, Alec Burks, but they traded him away.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so, it's like, there's distance. at some point, there's at some point, it's just also cool to be good <laughs> and super and engaging. And like Mitchell would make you a lot better. So I, I think there's, I think there's still a real case. Especially if you're like, hey, we're just going to kind of own New York again for a little for a long time, and we're just going to be good, and maybe one year we'll sneak into like the conference, you know, finals or something like that. I think, I, I, I can see a pretty strong case for that because like those other guys don't come available all the time. I don't think they have what it takes to get Durant now uh, to go back all the way back to the beginning, which was the original question. But I, yeah, I so I think that the I think there's a case for it, and I totally get the part where, yeah, at some point. You, what you do, the worst place you can be, I think this is what you were saying, Alex, Like the worst place you can be as an organization is overpaying like four guys. Yeah. If you're overpaying four guys that are your, are your four best players, your team is going to be a massive disappointment. And I think that's what most teams want to avoid is that, is that exact thing. It's like you get married to your own dudes, you overpay them. They're just not as good because at some point everyone in the NBA that's good gets overpaid except for the very top guys. Because, it you know, can't. just the way this the salary, the, just the way the contracts are, if you're good, you get overpaid. And then there's those other guys that just are underpaid, like LeBron, KD, Giannis. Like, those guys are, don't get paid enough because of the cap Um, and just because of the rules. But at some point, you overpay those guys, and then everyone kind of – it's just not that much fun anymore. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm still – I kind of I, – Nets are fans are going to – I kind of like what the Knicks have done. Are, is the ceiling super high? No, but – At least it like kind of makes sense chronologically (laughs) and you can build toward it and every what team hasn't like what team in sports hasn't been disappointing for some stretch over the last few years like they've all been yeah some point you're going to go through disappointments you'd want to just basically see linear growth and i think the knicks at least have done that i think the nets tried it and now they're just on the other side of the mountain you know coming down at warp speed (laughs) we'll see where the bottom is
1: yeah i think what's what's so tricky for for knicks fans when talking about the Mitchell trade is just the ambiguity over who the young guys are. And and yeah. that's both in like a positive and negative direction. And and that's sort of, I mean, this is what we discussed basically the whole second half of last season. But this is Tom Thibodeau playing in Alec Burks 38 minutes a game coming home to roost. Because if you had started Emmanuel quickly and played him all season, if you started Obi Toppin and played him all season. If Quinn Grimes, when he was healthy, had gotten 35 minutes per game, just almost no matter what, there, I think the Knicks and Jazz would... Be starting from a much clearer and more honest place of saying, like, all right, clearly, uh, Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly are are not going to be all stars, but very, they're clearly going to be very good players in this league. And, and instead, you're in a place where the Knicks can kind of trick themselves into saying, or maybe trick themselves, maybe they know something we don't. That you know what, uh, we kind of think Quentin Grimes is going to be like one of the best three and D players in the league. We kind of think Emmanuel quickly, like maybe it's only a five percent chance, but there's a world where he can be an all star. There's a world where Obi Toppin can average twenty four points per game, very efficiently. And, and the Jazz are saying, like, these are guys that you're not even playing, like, it, even though this is a little dishonest, because I think the negotiation is probably just over the four unprotected first round picks. But if the Jazz are arguing for that second young guy in the trade, and that could certainly be a breaking point for the Knicks, um, they could be looking at, like, why wouldn't you give these guys up? Like, they barely played. So I think that's what's tricky is that we just don't know the value of those guys, because unlike the Nets, the Knicks didn't really embrace that youth model. And they said, we just wanted to be as good as possible next year when the greatest last year, excuse me. And the greatest irony of all that is the best they could have been last year is probably playing those guys more minutes. But Doug, I wanted to get a feel. How do you think this ultimately ends with Durant? Because like you, I've, I've kind of been on the bandwagon all summer. Like I just wouldn't trade him. Like, and I mean, he came out and tweeted yesterday. said, I'm not going to retire. That's insane. Like I would play this out. I honestly think the, the, the crazy thing with all the Simmons stuff is he is or let he to some extent he's a perfect fit for the nets but even more so the nets were such a perfect fit for him and i kind of think brooklyn would be crazy to not see what that could be unless you just get like that dream Durant package like if jalen brown was actually on the table i would have jumped on that if i was brooklyn I'm, i'm dubious that that like the suggested trade was the trade that was there but how do you think this ultimately wraps up
2: Man, I, I've I've gone so many different versions of this through the through the summer because I've been sort of convinced. I, I will say things I never thought I never thought the Phoenix thing was gonna happen, even from the start. Like I was like, I that never what that one never felt right. I stood firm on that ground. I'm gonna keep all the receipts on that one. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Um just just because of me. Like I don't yeah, care, about yeah, it right, right, right? Like right, I just yeah. don't, I don't want to look bad. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm okay. a Suns fan, so I'm reading again. So it. I don't <laughs> think I don't think that one goes down just because of the mechanics. I don't think I think that he starts the season on the team because I think they will hold out. I think there's no, they can kind of reset a, a little mini tank this season. If they wanted to, it's not the worst thing in the world for him to sit just because they have their one pick this year that swaps with Houston. Who's also probably going to be bad. So they can kind of tank it for one season if they really want to. Now, that being said, having Kyrie Irving and Ben Simmons on the team makes it hard. It makes it almost impossible to do that. So they get in a weird situation there. I think that th- I, this is like not sourced or anything. I Think that the ultimatum that Durant threw out there was probably mostly not fake, but a way to kind of push his way out the door rather than a real ultimatum about Marks and Nash. I wonder sometimes, You only because you mentioned Simmons, I wonder sometimes what the deal is there with these guys, because we've talked about this in the podcast, again, not reporting anything so much is so little is said about how these guys, like uh, the time that these guys have spent together or like each other or whatever. That makes me wonder if Durant has had real questions about even just playing with Simmons, (laughs) like go and I'm, this is by the way, this is, we said this well in advance of like whatever Rick Buecher and all these other guys said, like this was, we said this a month before that just wondering about like, Hey, it's weird how little you hear about this, right? (laughs) It's weird how little you hear about from these guys talking, interacting, wanting to play together, uh, from the last year. So I wonder if he's just kind of looked around the room at what the Nets currently are Simmons included and the rest of the team and just said, I just I can kind of see how this is going to work and it's not and it's just not going to work for us. So I get a little worried about the the situation there. I think that what's going to happen is he is ultimately going to they're not going to trade him because they're not going to get a package. They're going to go into the season and they're going to do the 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 Sixers and and Simmons thing last year, which is like he probably sits out. He's already got paid, um, because the contract, uh, the first round of the contract came once, and he's going to get the second one prior to the season starts. So it's not going to be a money thing. I think he ends up sitting a little out a little bit, and then wait to the, see how the NBA landscape unfolds for the first little bit of the season, and see if there's another team that can now talk themselves into it um because we know that w- well one thing we know about the nba is whatever you think is the case now around teams it doesn't take long to change case in point the nets last year when they went in as a favorites and by the trade deadline you know we got hit by 400 pounds of shrapnel and hardens out the door and it's and it's for ben simmons like life comes at you're really fast here so the part where there's i, I there there will be it might not be more teams, but there will be different teams <laughs> that that will probably be could talk to start talking themselves into the Durant thing. Maybe a young player looks better at that point. Like there's, you know, like what you just like said with the Knicks. Like maybe your young players that we don't think are valuable now are, do look more valuable now, <laughs> right? Like because you have so all so many things changed. So I, I my ultimate guess is goes into the season, sits out. We, we've we seen him multiple times. Like you you mentioned the Twitter thing with Tommy at the beginning of this, of this podcast, right? It's like, he has no, the dude is very comfortable with who he is. Like he does not care. <laughs> like I think we can clearly say that now. He does not, there's no narrative around him that he doesn't care to like clap back at, right? So I don't think if he felt comfortable sitting, he would have any problem doing it. The part where like, oh, Kevin Durant will never do it because he's a player. Like dude, Kevin Durant asked for a trade. No one ever thought he was going to do that. So you can't subscribe or prescribe Pre- previous actions on the future um, things that this guy's going to do. I think he goes into the season. He's not, he does not play and they kind of wait to see how the rest of the landscape unfolds, feeling comfortable about maybe reclamating some of Simmons's, you know, Simmons's uh, value. Maybe Kyrie looks a little more enticing to a Lakers team or something like that. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't, I don't think the trade's going to happen. And I don't think he's puts a Nets uniform on again.
0: Yeah, I I sort of feel the same way, you know, that that Twitter exchange with Tommy Beer that that we've referenced a couple of times has been pretty telling today because it seemed like Durant was really going to bat for the idea of like, so what if I sit, you know, like other players do it and teams are sitting healthy players during the season tank and blah, blah, blah. Like, why isn't that a big deal? And it's like, yeah, I mean, uh, we rag on that all the time on this show about like, you know, like that's why we think. You know, if things don't work out with Donovan Mitchell, maybe she'll shake Gilders Alexander is the next guy to shake loose because how many guys want to be in their mid-twenties in their prime as a superstar, being sat so their team could tank, you know, for right. half the for, year.
2: like season four of a tank or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, so yeah. Like,
0: whatever. But um but yeah, I you know, I'm I'm with you with the Durant situation. That's kind of my read on it too. And I don't cover the guy every day, thankfully. <laughs> so I don't <laughs> I don't know. I probably don't have nearly the the finger on the pulse that you do, but I, I feel like it's gonna hit that point too where he's either going to sit or he's going to do like the Harden in Houston and just like massively mail it in and like show up, obviously not caring and just try to tank the locker room so much. That's that...
2: actually the one thing I think he won't do. I actually yeah. don't think he'll do that. Now, again, I'm using my, I'm, I'm going to argue against myself here because I just said, oh, we've never seen that before. So that, mm-hmm. that whatever I said before, it doesn't help my argument there. I actually don't think he would do that because I think the one thing we have seen is that He has tons of pride. It's just not the way fans want that pride to sometimes go, right? Like sometimes fans want that pride to be whatever uniform or whatever laundry you're wearing at the moment. That's what you're most prideful about. I actually don't – I think he has a pretty good track record of saying that actually piece doesn't seem to matter to him too much, right? Mm -hmm. Like Because he's going to just go wherever he feels like he wants to go, and he's done that now. Well, he's done it twice, and he's about to do it a third time. So – but I do think, like, Kevin Durant as the guy, as the player, I, I do think he would not do that. I don't think he would come and just half loaf it around the court. I don't think he has it in him. And frankly, I don't think the Nets would want him to do it either because there would be injury risk and there's other stuff. Like, unless they were fully committed to knowing that he was going to come back, I, I don't see how the Nets are incentivized to throw him on the court in that situation because even if he just dogged it, which I don't think he would do, you do kill the trade market by having him – twist something, tweak something, tear something. Like there's a lot, there's way, there's so much downside to a situation like that. So I I, will, I don't think that one happens, but yeah, dude, he's just an interesting guy. Like I, I can see why people are, he's a polarizing people I, a guy. I can see why people probably either like can't stand them or just absolutely love it with very little in between because it kind of speaks to probably how you root for the NBA, what you think of like the superstar era, what you think about teams. I think this actually does embody a lot a lot of like how fandom has drawn their lines right now. This one is that like coming to an absolute head. The other ones have just been interesting. You have your Harden stands, your Simmons stands, the guys that kind of people that hang around rooting for a player. This one actually I think really is drawn very divisively around how you view the NBA and their superstars because whether you like Durant, you either like Durant and you love what he's doing here or you just cannot stand him and you think he's everything
1: wrong with the NBA. I am I just kind of see both sides. All right, so let's let's wrap on this. Uh, is there wh- where we started? Is there any world where the Knicks or Nets could make a deal? And uh, much to the chagrin of of myself, Alex, and all Knicks fans, I think if anything were to happen, it would be around Kyrie Irving, just because I don't think the I, I think a Kevin Durant trade would involve R.J. Barrett, and I think that would be a non-starter for the Knicks Uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm off on that and Doug like let me know if you think it would get to a point where like the Nets would kind of be like yeah we'll we'll just take a ton of picks to me that wouldn't be very appealing for them unless unless it was some kind of three-team trade that had the Nets getting Donovan Mitchell somehow um, because they obviously owe all their pick equity to the Rockets and the Nets aren't planning on tanking anytime soon so going all in on that direction Seems a little weird. Maybe they would do it just as an asset play and say, oh, we'll take your picks, we'll take Obi and we'll take Emmanuel quickly. And, and then for the Knicks, Kevin Durant is, I mean, even in a world where they give up no players, for Durant, which seems impossible because they just there's just not enough picks in the world for that to happen. Um, I don't think they're title contenders if they got him. And for the Knicks, I think it's much more palatable to have a long runway with a Donovan Mitchell than say you have to be a top three team in the NBA right now to justify trading for a 34-year-old Kevin Durant, who was uh, incredible for most of last year. And a lot of people consider him the best player in the NBA, but maybe showed small signs of slowing down a little bit by the end of the season. Um, so I'm poo-pooing my old question. But uh, what, what, what do you think about all that, Doug? Now, I don't well okay, I'll say I don't
2: think it's I don't think it is is going to happen because I think the one, the money to make it work would probably involve like Randall or whatever. And like I don't think that they have interest in doing that. I will say, so I think the answer is no. I don't think the Knicks really have even the assets to really throw it back. because um, I think just in terms of what you've heard, the Net's kind of wanting, right? which is a-, a la, the Simmons trade, which they want a-, a big player back, right? You got at least one at least one really yeah. good established player has to come back. Where I do think it's interesting, though, is I I do think with this Mark's crew, I don't think they'd be opposed. I I don't think they would care at all if they were trading him to the Knicks. Let me put it that way. Like I don't think that actually, I don't think they care about that part that much. I think that they've shown that they will just trade a. If the deal is right, they will trade the guy. It doesn't matter if you know you can take a cab over to see him or not. Right. Like I think that they would do it if the Knicks had the right package. They would consider it and it wouldn't matter to them. There's and I think that's correct, by the way, because there's just too few teams in the NBA. You can't limit your who you trade somebody to just because of geography or fan bases or anything like that. If there was 150 teams you could start thinking about it, there's only 29 other teams you can trade with. You are doing yourself a disservice to not think about it because it's a little too close to home, right? So I don't think that I don't think the Knicks piece of it would stop them from doing it. I just don't think the Knicks have the exact stuff they're looking for, which is starting with at least a name recognition player. Whatever we think about RJ, like he's good. I think he's going to be better. Having him be the centerpiece of around Kevin Durant. One, I mean, it'd be probably really tough for him. The pressure on him would be way, way beyond what it is now, right? Like to have him just be, it's a, you know, it's hard enough being a high pick. If you get traded for Kevin Durant, like you, you're going to have to perform. And I just don't think he's the pedigree of player that would be a starting point. So, I would say it's more about the Knicks' assets and or, or lack thereof, and less about like, oh, it's James Dolan, it's Joe Tsai. Like, I don't think these people actually really care about that. That maybe some owners do, and some um, GMs do. I don't think the Nets are one of those teams.
0: Yeah, I, I'll just quickly say I don't really see them as a as a fit either. Um I think that ultimately what's going to happen. It, it Like what would happen in that scenario is sort of like what you said, like the Knicks would try their hardest to sell Julius Randall as being okay. Like Julius Randall and Ben Simmons and, you know, a built out roster. And now you're going to have a ton of picks. Like you can figure this out. Like both those guys are signed for a long time. They're both pretty much in their primes, you know, like maybe Randall, you know, they can build an offense. that's more Randall centric again, which the Knicks, you know, that was part of why he got, like really unhappy last year. Um, But that is like a, a 2010 and five player that then, you know, the Nets could sell to the fan base is like, Hey, look, semi reclamation project. But you know, as long as we get his head straight, like Randall's a pretty darn good player. Um, But I ultimately, I think the Nets would be like, eh, you know, like we'd probably prefer someone that's going to meld a little better. Randall this past year proved that he, the shooting was very empty gym centric. It seems Uh, And so the shooting isn't as much a thing as we thought it was, which then complicates things when you're pairing him with maybe the single worst shooting player in the NBA in Ben Simmons, especially given the position he plays and the expectations that come along with being a lead ball handler uh, in the NBA these days. So not great uh, in that regard. So that would be a huge sticking point. Uh, Otherwise assets wise, I think they stack up pretty good. It's just like, if that's the Nets main thing is they're like, we want, a guy that we can like immediately turn around and I don't know about contend with, but at least be like a mid playoff seed with again. I don't know if the Knicks can necessarily do that. Um I But draft picks wise, just like in the Mitchell scenario, there's definitely no team better equipped just on that front than the Knicks other than like the thunder right now, yeah. or maybe like Good the jazz. Rockets. Jazz. Yeah. I mean, but none of them are gonna go after Durant because Durant would just do the same thing there and be like, I'm not playing here. I'm right. not playing for the freaking Thunder again. Like I don't wanna come back here and be on a tanking team. Dude, him um, him
1: and Poku would be a problem. Yeah, him and
0: Poku. <laughs> no, now skinny team for sure. Shea. Yeah.
1: Yeah, him Sha
0: Poku, uh Shea, the all skinny yeah, lineup. Yeah. 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 But um Anyway, yeah, that's that's where I'm at too. So I'm with you, Doug and, and Gavin. I, I just don't really think there's a deal to be made here. I do think maybe the only thing that maybe makes this a little more interesting is if Donovan Mitchell gets traded somewhere other than the Knicks and sets a market and it's something that's palatable for the Knicks and then that's finally just cave and say, all right, well, we thought we were going to be the first domino, but here's, here's the actual domino that we got to follow here and we'll take a deal similar to the Mitchell trade if the Knicks would then turn around and trade for him. I kind of hope they don't, though, because there's no, as we just learned with the Nets, there's no – and as you said, Doug, with the type of guy and player that Durant is, there's no guarantees that Durant's not going to just turn around in a year from now and say, you know, I don't want to play here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like send me and- somewhere else and hold the Knicks hostage then. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it all goes. But I think we've probably reached our – logical endpoint of this (laughs) podcast unless anybody else has any do either you have any final statements before we? well my final
2: statement was i I felt really confident thinking he wasn't going to go to the knicks and then as you were kind of walking through a scenario where there was like maybe a little likely i found myself really rooting against that so um (laughs) i'm going to so while i don't think it's going to happen i had i maintained some sanity maybe probably by thinking there was just no way it was going to happen and the fact that you introduced a minor world where it could. Makes me uh, not want to see that happen. So, but well, go yeah. go wherever you want, get paid wherever you want. Please, let's just not have to be the Knicks. I don't know if I want yeah. uh, uh, to. Yeah, talk about that. I don't want to talk about that for like a few months. That that feels like not what I want to do.
1: A, a nice acrimonious note to end an otherwise civil podcast <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, thank you so much, uh, Doug Norrie. Uh I, I know I know this will be airing on, on your side too. But yep. before we send you off, can you can you tell the Knicks fans where they can find all, all your work? Because I, I know it goes beyond just covering the Nets.
2: Yeah, at Doug Norrie on Twitter. That's that's that you can follow it there. Really, really appreciate it, guys. And the uh, same uh, uh, at the Alex Wolf and at uh, Locked On Knicks over there for the Knicks guys, so that I don't have to throw anything at the end of this podcast for me. <laughs> All right, All right. Yeah, guys, but... <laughs> take it easy, guys.